एंड वेलकम बैक टू येट अनदर एपिसोड ऑफ पंड थ्री ऑन अ पॉइंट टूडे वी आर टू ब्लॉक्स कुड पोटेंशली बी थ्री ब्लॉक्स हैविंग एन अबव एवरेज फुटबॉल कॉन्वर्जेशन जॉइनिंग मी ऑन द पॉडकास्ट टूडे इज ओनली अक्षत एंड पो माइट मेक अ स्पेशल अपियरेंस लेटर ऑन इन द एपिसोड एंड इट्स एक्साइटिंग टू हैव दिस suspense even for us yeah. to know <laughs> how our production is going to be we really have no idea uh, but uh, firstly welcome back to akshat who's come back to the side of the world uh, where it's a little hotter a little more populated uh, how do you feel akshat i mean the february is now in the evenings and nights for me yeah that's what i'm the most happy about dude we were able to go watch united game at a bar as opposed to me being in my bed at 4:30 am crying about ragnik ball uh, it's a much better yeah <laughs> much better way to watch football that's for sure okay so welcome back akshat and uh, we're just going to dive straight into this episode a lot has happened since we um, recorded and published last so uh, in our last episode we spoke about the title race and how we thought you know it's going to get a little tight towards the end which it did but um, uh, city were just the runaway favorites right from the start they didn't really let up on their form i think they've won eight times in a row now in the premier league which is just astonishing um arsenal slipped up uh, we are recording this on the 21st of may which is a sunday um arsenal just played nottingham forest yesterday and lost 1-0 and thus uh concluded the title race um because now it's mathematically impossible for anyone else but city to win and uh, city celebrate their 7th premier league title um tough times as a united fan but uh, this team has been amazing and it's going to be our focal point of uh, the conversation today on just how immense they've been this season uh, the kind of tweaks that they've done and potentially potentially could they be winning a treble which would be um, which would be horrific for us united fans right i mean yeah it i won't say horrific to be honest i don't think one team's achievements masks or you know overshadows another team's achievements um if both teams have won a treble both teams have won a treble it doesn't mean one of them was better one of them was worse i i don't get this whole culture we have in football of comparing achievements like I mean, it's not just City and United. I think a lot of the fans online they like uh, comparing. Oh, is is the invincible season better or is the treble season better? And it's like, why? Why do you even want to know? Like, why is it important for us to decide which one is better? So, I mean, of course, I don't want City to win the treble. Of course, but I am seeing a lot of insecurity from United fans about this. And yeah, because what do we sing to? like that was the one thing that they haven't we, done we yet say, we Either winning in europe uh, and winning the treble and i think they're going to do both in the same season we now. sing for the amount of history we've had the titles we've had we've sing for the european success we sing for the fact that we have made the treble so another team achieving that doesn't mean that we haven't achieved that too right like we don't we can be proud of our achievements and let them be proud of their achievements which they got by cheating which we will get to later in the episode so if you want a comparison between the trebles maybe that's where you want to go amar as to how the trebles were brought about um one of them being very um youth specific holistic growth under one manager reinvention of the team over and over and over again versus pep guardiola who just creates a machine he just creates this 
footballing machine which just takes in talent and dro- puts out trophies right and, and that system which he creates is almost ruthless in how efficient it is so two very different ways to build a potential let's just say potential treble winning team right now um but yeah i mean at the end of the day if we're talking about football i think city are playing really really good football and um yeah let's when we get into some of the charges and the allegations we'll we'll talk about like how off the pitch the way they constructed the squad could perhaps mar the achievements which they've got but again like on the pitch let's not kid ourselves they're they're just fantastic yeah and how much of it actually comes down to pep guardiola and the players um, with the allegations i don't think you can really pin the blame on them i mean they are just doing their job and they're doing a fantastic yeah, job yeah absolutely yeah. um since we are talking about on the pitch uh, let's quickly dive into that uh, madrid city game um the Oof. first leg was you know testing the waters i i don't think both teams wanted to lose that game um and it was pretty balanced throughout but as soon as they set foot onto the etihad i think Madrid were just swarmed right uh, by the 11 city players plus the fans i think it's the loudest that i've heard the etihad being it was absolutely rocking as a stadium which is something that even pep guardiola has addressed before saying that the fans are not vocal enough but on that night uh, um madrid felt like as soon as they got the ball they were absolutely choked out of it and uh, i think the first 5 to 7 minutes itself gave an indication i remember messaging on the group saying that okay this looks like one of those games where madrid are going to get absolutely annihilated yeah. um and it, that, that's how it happened i mean um i was just reading up some stats and in the first 15 minutes of play madrid had completed only 13 that's passes insane. whereas city had completed yeah and city had completed 124 passes so like both extremes you know the counter press was just so good that um madrid didn't, really didn't find any sort of outlet to to get them away from that kind of pressure yeah i mean it it that that stat which you just read right the 13 passes in 15 minutes that is insane like just being able to restrict and constrict like a boa constrictor where you, you just don't yeah. allow your opponent any space to find each other is insane but when you also think about the context that they did this to real madrid the champions league specialists with that midfield which they have right modric cruz uh, joamini kamavinga playing left back vinicius junior who has been amazing in his link up play with benzema throughout the season they did that to these players yeah and it, it's like almost like the final evolution of how good positional play can be because it wasn't city weren't hunting people down by charging 20 yards across the pitch and trying to block players right it was always that whenever a real madrid player touched the ball there was already a city player right next to them there was already um two or three city players around 10 meters who can then all go and counter press right and that is because of the positional play that is because the way pep guardiola set up the team to play so high up the pitch that by default even if they lose the ball they are already in the perfect position to launch that counter press they are already blocking all the passing angles uh, for madrid to escape um so much so that madrid couldn't even you know 
push that ball over the top looking for i mean benzema is not the fastest but for rodrigo vinicius to go in behind and, and get into uh, get in the space they didn't even have space to be able to play that pass over the top like that was how good city were at pressing them um and that was off the ball on the ball we've seen that from city for years like ever since guardiola second season they've been probably in europe the best team on the ball so that wasn't a surprise but even in that aspect i thought they were better than normal if that's even possible yeah yeah they were yeah they so were. it was uh, i i guess it was just the the kind of link up play that we saw especially from bernardo who i think Man. now is starting to come in the limelight but this season has been grossly uh, uh, understated like his his presence has been understated plus uh, there were also rumors of him leaving last season and i think um, uh, he's been one of those players that just sort of slipped under the radar all through the season but he's been absolutely terrific for them on that right hand yeah. side um so much so that mares can't find a place in his team who i thought was pretty good too like up until he lost his place um and then of course you have haland who's a machine and i don't think we need to touch upon haland at all because the entire world is talking about him but i do want to mention rodri um and how important he is in this entire setup where he just keeps that machine ticking um in both aspects of the play right when he's facing away from goal and when he's facing towards goal he's sort of that perfect foil for Guardiola to have as a player is like an evolution of what Busquets was supposed to be but just footballing times were different um i i think that that Rodri has been such a crucial part of this team and nobody really talks about him because of what is happening up front yeah i mean Rodri and and just to add to that list of names you said i think Gundogan has had a, a very similar season where he's been somewhat underrated somewhat under the radar um people like even grealish for example and kevin de bruyne haland of course they are the ones getting the plaudits but gundogan is another one like bernardo there were rumors of him you know leaving or he's not settled at the club calvin phillips came in does that mean you know one of the midfielders is going to fall out of favor but no gundogan step stepped up the season and and that like you said i mean Rodri uh, playing in that position he's able to always recycle possession for Manchester City and break the lines um to very very important aspects of a possession based game because obviously recycling possession is very important because you can keep building your attack over and over and over again but then possession in and of itself is useless unless you can actually create chances and offer a threat and the first step to doing that against teams which sit back which every team in the world does it back against city is breaking the lines breaking the forward pressing line and the midfield line looking for those ultra creative players which city have inside those spaces like de bruyne like bernardo and rodri is able to do that uh, pretty well um so yeah i think it's it's a it's a very perfect team in which everyone knows exactly what role they have to perform and they all perform it to perfection and that only happens under the best coaches who are at the top of the game so yeah. the credit for all this does go to pep guardiola i think for for doing this um and also of course um the fact that he has the perfect players the perfect profile of players for each of these positions speaks to city's recruitment and that is of course where things get a little bit murky where yes they have identified their recruitment scouting everything has been great but they have allegedly i can say right now but 
broken the rules to get this squad constructed right so um yeah i mean again <laughs> whenever you talk about anything on the pitch it's nothing but wow amazing but if you start looking a little bit deeper into how this was constructed that's where you kind of i don't know man i i yeah, murky waters yeah. but i i don't know if it's right to sort of um stain their entire season on what they've done because of these allegations i mean it, it'll keep coming up but and but they've proven true amar i think i think you can talk i think you can stain as you say what all they've done i dude no matter how good you are if you've done it while cheating you have cheated like whether you've cheated by one mark in your exam or you've copied the entire paper from someone else you've cheated and in in your monday test at school that may not make such a big difference but at the highest level of competitive sport where you have in the premier league 19 other teams who have invested 200 million for 300 million 400 million per season into their clubs you even the smallest margin makes a huge huge impact right and how many allegations were they sir? allegedly have have breached like 102 115 right? so there were 115 counts which uh, have been brought up against them across a variety of different reasons basically a variety of different uh, rules which they have broken um most of them repeatedly for a, a long number of years um some of them going all the way back to 2009 2010 which was when um the takeover happened the middle east takeover happened uh, with uh, manchester city so the thing is okay fine maybe they're not all true but are you telling me out of 115 charges that have been brought against a club by the premier league like let's make it clear this is not like some guy on twitter who is a whistleblower who's come out and said that oh i have these documents and you know proving that city are this is an investigation done by the barclays premier league or i don't think it's barclays but by the premier league right now yeah right yeah. <laughs> by the fa basically yeah exactly so um you know again like i i know we've kind of like diverted off what they're doing on the pitch right now which we did give them their fair due of like how good they've been throughout the season we've been talking about how good they've been but you can't ignore this you out of 115 allegations how many of the how many of them do you think will be wrong how many of them do you think will be unfounded right even if even if 100 of them are unfounded that's still 15 times they cheated that's still 15 rules they broke right compared to zero of all the other teams in the premier league so akshar do you want to just uh, I, i mean i don't know much about this subject um, just based on what i read when it was a absolute frenzy for the for the 2 3 days that it became very viral but as you said they broke uh, a lot of rules in a lot of different aspects so scouting and i know there were some really murky sponsorship deals where they were just setting up shell companies yeah. that didn't actually exist and pumping money through that as sponsors yes. of Manchester City and yes. a really funny thing that i remember about this is that one guy got caught because he was like they got, got he got caught from linkedin because it said that he's the ceo of this one particular shell company and then when someone tried to find out what he's the ceo of the company actually doesn't exist he was the only employee so, in that company <laughs> yeah he was the only employee in that company and he was called the ceo that's pretty funny uh but apart from that uh, i mean it of course does more sponsorship means more 
uh, revenue generated more revenue generated gives them a better um better margin in the financial fair play where they can actually go out and spend more money yeah. and spending more money means getting more players in so yeah i mean it does come down to what eventually happens on the pitch uh, and as akshat said i mean even if from 115 even if one is found out to be true then that is cheating in a sense but my next question to you akshat is that even if they are found true of these allegations what do you think happens as a consequence because i don't think you can you can sort of like you can't make the last 13 years of the premier league null and void right i think it it very much depends on the severity and and the legal procedure when it plays out as how many of these 115 charges they actually are found guilty for so again like i said these are in different categories right some of them are quote and quote not that serious and some of them are extremely extremely serious allegations so um for example one of them has to do with a player compensation managerial composition so um when when roberto mancini those days were going on um basically the premier league says that you have to report every single penny which you spend on a manager's salary right and you can't withhold any of that information but then it was uh, now allegedly found that manchester city were paying mancini much more like millions uh, of uh, in sums of money um, on the side on a backwater channel right through one of their these shell companies which you said so that is like so that's not just one so they have like three four rule breaches in this category where they're hiding manager payments like how the manager salary compensation and then if if you put that on a scale as to something which is even more serious it's what you said where they are basically bringing in fake sponsorship deals and the whole economy of football works on the principle of financial fair play which is that if you're bringing in like very very simply this is not exactly how it works but if you're bringing in 100 million of revenue that means that you can spend 100 million in the transfer market if you're bringing in 200 you can spend 200 no no it's I think it's twenty percent of the revenue. So if you're bringing in hundred million, you can spend a hundred and yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm just totally simplifying it right now. But the point I'm trying to make is that the amount of money you bring in legally is how much you can spend legally, right? But if you are bringing in money which is not legal, which is like inflated sponsorship deals, which from bogus companies, like which are basically just shell companies from the owner himself who's financing this project you can see how that is giving them incredible financial muscle which is not there like they have not earned the capacity to spend that much money and that is very serious that is extremely extremely serious cuz you are now just doing away with one of the most core aspects of you know financial spending in football one of the most basic rules there is and an ffp has exists in uh, the premier league so there's a premier league ffp there's a, a uefa ffp and if you remember they actually got charged in europe uh, by the by uefa and everyone everyone talks about how city beat those allegations and proved their innocence which yes they did beat those allegations but they never proved their innocence like i really really encourage people listening to this to actually go and see how they won that case they didn't win that case by no they didn't win that case they 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 were fined right they were no they were no, fined and they paid the no, fine no. so so the case 
what happened is they got the case thrown out and they got fined and that fine was for something totally different that fine was for not cooperating with the investigation right it wasn't for breaking the financial fair play rules but they didn't prove their innocence like everyone should really just go and read up on what actually happened they did not prove they did not say that oh we didn't do it here's the proof that we didn't do it they basically used lawyerisms <laughs> if i can call it that to say that the investigation was unbased because the evidence was procured through somewhat illegal means and because of that like they couldn't be and that with another added factor that um there's a statute of limitations meaning that if you if you try to charge city based on something which happened 4 or 5 years ago you can't really dish out that level of punishment um they used these things to say to throw the case out they never they till date they have not proved their innocence in these matters and the interesting thing is that rule where if something happens more than 4 years ago you can't you know you can't charge them with it that does not exist in the premier league so even though they broke rules in 2009 2010 the premier league can consider that in putting out a sentence or a punishment for city okay what do you think that is going to be no idea like that's just the honest truth we have no idea because we have if you want to take examples of what happened in other leagues um you can look at juventus right that whole um, corruption bribery scandal which happened um they were relegated right yeah they they were relegated um but also on a on a similar scale what happened to juventus this season man imagine haaland in the championship it's a 70 goal season yeah. <laughs> so um so anything can happen it could be a point deduction now that point deduction could it apply like you know that okay they, they broke these many rules in let's say 17 18 season so we'll dock 10 points in 17 18 we'll dock 15 points in 18 19 we'll dock 5 points in 19 in you know the next season they could like you know um, go back and kind of reduce the points from each and every season that could be an option or what is more likely is that they will give them a point reduction a hefty point reduction in the current season when the subsequent the subsequent season, season yeah. when the um the ruling comes out that makes sense um or they could you know say the trophies which they won at that time are null and void which If you think about it all the other clubs in the Premier League are going to push for that. I mean if you you have to also understand that there are other teams who are not going to be happy that this is happening, right? So if they are found guilty, Manchester United for example who finished second, Liverpool who finished second, they are well within their right to be like, "Hey, listen, they cheated. Why are they winning the trophy after they cheated? You have yeah. found them guilty of cheating. So why have they got the trophies?" So um yeah a po has joined us so po if that happens so, bro you uh, arsenal might still win the season <laughs> bro it's like the season's done the, they were handed the they were handed the premier league trophy yesterday so it's done gerard would be a premier league winner then right yeah gerard would have won a premier league title right if not for city yeah if not for city i mean I'm sure Lucas Leiva would have won one because he tweeted that uh, when all these allegations were coming out he tweeted saying so that does that mean I'm a Premier League winner <laughs> which is really yeah, funny I mean, and of course Ole would have won no one too No matter what allegations are thrown I don't think the Premier League would want to tarnish their product by giving away the last 10 years I mean, it's basically been the last 10 years that we're talking about you know, like imagine if they had to like scrap the whole their whole uh, 
you are yeah. part of champions and then have to replace it and then I bet the other team also wouldn't want it like it. Would you guys want it that way in the Mourinho season? Mourinho season or the Ole season when he finished second like if they suddenly suddenly one day you wake Both. up. Yeah, so would you guys take that though? Like I bet you would but like it's not a nice way to win a championship. What I believe is what Akshat said that there would be either a point deduction or a hefty fine. Now the fine, I don't think anyone would care about because it's Man City. They can just throw that money out anyways. But but Amar, like, see, this is my analogy which I have thought of ever since this came out, right? Like, oh, imagine in the Olympics, you finish second in a 100-meter sprint, right? And after the thing gets over, the guy who finished first is found guilty of doping. So obviously that guy's gold medal is taken away and given to the guy who finished second. And yeah, but Akshat, I mean, this is over a period of such a long period of time. It makes it worse. I I think that makes it worse. I know it makes it worse, but (laughs) this this should have been, uh, I mean, the FA should have been on this right from the start, right? Like where you're seeing, actively seeing the books and seeing if the teams are messing up no, in some but, but way. but Amar, that's the point. City, that is one of, like, like we spoke about the charges and the allegations in different categories, right? One of the main categories of the charges is that City cooked their books. They totally misrepresented what was actually going on. And it, it was an investigation from the Premier League which brought about that, you know, this is the shady shit which has been going on. So, I don't know, man. I, I, let's see. The thing is, this legal procedure will play out one and a half, two years it'll take. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we're talking about it a bit prematurely right now. But, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's move ahead. Let, let, let's move ahead and come back to um, the football that is being played on the pitch. Away from the dark caves that uh, Akshat and I took you through. Uh, <laughs> which is apparently the Manchester City accounting offices. But uh, uh, now two big games coming up, right? Uh, the, the Premier League is done and dusted. That's one title in for City. And they have a real, real shot at making it a treble because they're playing Inter now. We'll start off with that. They're playing Inter in the Champions League. We just spoke about how dominant they were against Madrid. Um, and they're playing... Uh, I, I mean, if if... You ask Guardiola, would you play Inter in the finals? And he, he would take it like readily, right right from the start. Uh, as long as it's not the other juggernauts of European football in today's world, which is Madrid, who they've already beaten. Or you could put Liverpool into that category as well. Um, Inter, we, we all know that this is a very, very one-sided Champions League draw as a finals. And uh, everyone was saying that whoever wins between... City and Madrid essentially goes on to win the cup because the other semi-finals was um, the two teams from Milan. But uh, just to point out that Inter have not had that bad of a Champions League run themselves. And they look like a very solid cup side. And uh, they've been in pretty good form, right? Akshat, you said, what, seven, eight wins in yeah, a row? Yeah, eight wins in a row now. In, in, in this area, yeah. And you have to understand that I mean, Inter came out of a pretty tough group, honestly. Yep, uh, they yep. were they were in the same group with Bayern and Barca and they managed to knock Barca and send them to the Europe, Europa Cup. Um, and they were pretty much written off from the start itself, right? From the group stages. And I think that just gives the team an extra bit of um, push to go out and show people that, you know, hey, we're here and we're not, 
we're not going to be a walkover for anyone and which they've done and fair fair play to them i mean they've reached the champions league finals after so long i think um this is their first final after their treble winning season um under mourinho so it's great to see that you know uh, a team that was down and out they had a lot of financial uh, difficulties um came back uh, won the title under conte where i thought they played some outstanding football that was when um they just signed nicolo barella they signed romelu lukaku and they swept the the serie if you remember that season they were absolutely phenomenal to watch um and then things went really bad for them really quickly where um uh, they basically had no money because they'd invested so much in in the likes of barella and lukaku and then covid hit and the pandemic had financial um problems it created financial problems for all the teams and into being uh the one of the teams that it was impacted the most so um the owners actually asked the players for to 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 take pay cuts just so that the club could be sustainable and then they had to sell romelu lukaku and they got him back on loan <laughs> so a lot has happened just after conte's departure yeah just chelsea things a lot has happened after conte's departure and inzaghi's arrival and inzaghi to be fair to him has to de- had to deal with a lot of problems very quickly in his um uh in his managerial stint and these are the kind of problems that usually would break a manager you know it's very easy for a manager to come out in the press conferences and say that hey i've gotten no funding or um the owners are not backing me enough uh but he's come out and done his work pretty quietly um they lost the serie a last season in the last week to uh, their rivals uh, ac milan yeah. Um so they've been pretty good under Inzaghi as well and I think now they're sitting third on on the Serie A table. Um just to talk about their game a little bit uh, in the semi-finals against uh, AC Milan first of all San Siro was absolutely rocking it was one of the best atmospheres that I've seen and uh, it, it is a perfect farewell to such a legendary stadium right because that stadium is now being broken down. Um did any of you guys watch that game? No I caught the highlights of it. Yeah, the, it looked absolutely beautiful, especially you know, uh, with with the kind of banter that was going on because um, the ultra fans of Inter got this huge placard um, saying "You are shit" in the AC Milan colors, red and black. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean the the atmosphere was amazing. Um, Inter managed a three nil on aggregate, made it very comfortable for themselves. uh they are very compact team they play in the same formation of a 352 uh but sometimes it becomes a, a 361 almost um and they've they've gotten some really good players in their team uh, mikitarian being one of them uh eden zeko who just manages to show up for the big games for some reason like he is their the big game player and of course uh, laturo martinez who's been um, phenomenal for them ever since he joined was instrumental in their title charge as well um they 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 look like uh, they're they a pretty you know solid side and as i said uh, uh they've been good in the champions league they've gotten five clean sheets uh, overall in the competition which is great no sorry seven she- clean sheets overall in the competition which is great and four in their last five games of the knockout so they're pretty solid but do you think they stand a chance against city i mean sorry to be so blunt but it's city i'm not talking i'm just that of this season but like looking at the way they've been the yearning for a champions league win like the the trophy 
It's the last thing that they need to complete club football. And I think they're going to go all out. I, I mean, to second guess what I said, like, we all thought the same when uh, it was two years ago when they went against Chelsea in the final and everyone thought it was that season that they were going to win it and like, we all were wrong. But like, oh, one can hope that Inter can win it, but like looking at what City are and especially looking at that semi-final against Real Madrid, it was supposed to be the the game of the Champions League uh, season and it was basically walk in the park for them at Etihad. I mean, Akshat would know this, no? Like, I read an article, like, that constantly used the word gravity and in terms of the the, the slang in basketball. I mean, we've used, mm. we've used like, yeah. uh, the concept in football, but, like, the word gravity is used more in basketball, apparently. And basically what it is, is the ability of a player to pull, like, the opponent's defenders or like they're people marking them away even when they're not on the ball. And City yeah. have been doing that incredibly well. Like if you uh, if you remember the semi-final of the same grid, like basically Bernardo had like acres of space to walk into for both his goals and that free kick also like let that led to the goal. It's just three players, no, like they've simplified they've simplified their squad so much they that now they're just playing with five like Central defenders and then five attackers. The pieces don't move much. Before. Yeah, I think Poe has oversimplified uh, Guardiola's tactics. Because, I mean, uh, in that game, uh, we already spoke about it just before Poe came, but uh, Kamavinga got turned inside out and upside down all through the game. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of seeing clothes in a washing machine. Where it's just spinning and spinning and spinning and that's all I felt Kamavinga was doing that's all, that's all game. That's because he had to mark Haaland and like even though he didn't get a goal, like basically what I was talking about, that gravity term, that's what fucking Haaland was, you know, like he was just pulling him into his orbit. Like, he's so immense, like you can't ignore Haaland, like because of his constant threat, constantly lurking at the back post. Kamavinga has no yeah. other option apart from like getting pulled away with him like De Bruyne on one hand like entering the half spaces and then there's that British who with his incredible dribbling pulls away two people that leaves so much empty space like right through the middle for somebody like Gundogan or Bernardo to just walk in and then score a goal and I think Inter are going to unless like they pull some crazy like park the bus scenario <laughs> even though it's going to be a, like a constant hell like it's only constant hell for them throughout the 90 minutes but unless they do something of that sort the city are walking the city team are walking to the attack one thing that i can say about sorry one thing that i can say about the the finals is that um inter are very adept and comfortable to play that no nonsense kind of football yeah. where they're not looking to play out from the back where hando which just um, hoops it upfield and they have a mountain of a person in Edin Dzeko who would always win that second ball and that's something that we've seen recurring through their Champions League campaign is that they've won the duels and they've won the second ball to win back possession and I think that sort of no-nonsense football is the only way to beat City right and, now. And, and I think that's another, that's an important point because the way interplay at um, in the Serie A is very different from the way we've seen interplay in the Champions League. So, in Serie A, uh, Inter Milan's average possession for the season is 56.6%. And in the Champions League, it's 45.3%. So, they have, on average, 10% lesser possession 
of the football so that shows that they do have a plan b like you know they're not um, um they're not going to try to outplay city which is is one very important thing you do not you should not you do not play on their terms you have to play on your own terms which is stay solid and try to attack uh, on the counter and um to that effect i think they have the right setup like you said they play with like a 352 or a 532 the way you see it and their central midfielders are three who can find the long ball and the through balls they are a team which really relies on trying to find their two strikers by playing balls through uh, behind the defense um so you have nicolo barella you have mkhitaryan you have um what's that dozing chanelo Ka- yeah kalanoglu who again all three of them are great passers great creative passers as well as three people who are willing to work in the midfield um uh, so i i think like that is a very um important thing where in terms of a style matchup i think inter know the way they have to play and they are comfortable playing that way when it comes to city but the thing is that it's just at the end of the day i think city have too much quality they, they city are going to score a goal for sure city are going to score exactly. a goal exactly that, that that's the point like 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 i don't know that they must i not sure of the exact number but i think they've gone 28 or 30 games uh, in a row with a, with well, scoring a goal so they are yeah. going to score right so um how many are they going to score is the, is the question inter can get a goal or two on counter maybe but how many will city score how many can you stop them from scoring so that's going to be the question um so you're saying basically i'm just i just want to take everyone's predictions uh, really quickly off the bat and uh, from what i'm hearing you both are saying that city are winning the champions league 3-1 city 3-1 city po i don't think they're going to score and like let me tell you why oh is just looking in <laughs> sadly i tell you why though because like the whole point about the way interplay what you guys explained right now that too is like affected city in the years gone by when they when i mean just take last year if they were playing the way they were playing last year and having only diaz and and stones or somebody else be in that center back position they'd have zinchenko on one side cancer on one side they both be up the pitch like forming the attack and that would leave them vulnerable to counters if things fell by like if they lost possession but this year they're playing five people at the center center back position who are all monsters like the big solid like center back type that's the arch type of what you call a center back you know and those guys don't move like the maximum movement you see is johnston going into midfield apart from that everyone stays in that position to count like to counteract the threat of a counter so i don't see how like inter can score in that way even though they poop balls all the way from back to like the front in a one like you know one sweeping motion but it's tough to beat the city team down unless there's like a catastrophic collapse from this yeah i i i think what they need is they need their two strikers to make really intelligent runs where one of them commits a center back and one of them kind of makes space for the other striker to run into i think they need to have that motion and like those the coaching needs to be like on point like they can't just go there and be like oh here are the two strikers hit it to the strikers they'll do something 
they need to work a lot on who's going to be holding up what kind of runs they're making when they switch uh, center backs can they create space for each other that is where they can cause city problems because they're not going to hold on to the ball for long right so when barella for example gets the ball what option is he seeing up front is he seeing someone who can collect the ball bring it and then make bring someone else into play those are the those are the things which are going to make the difference and yeah, it's tough that's all i'll say it's very tough it's very tough but it's giving me a lot of uh, this the same vibes on how inter did win their champions league and their treble under mourinho yeah. because he faced guardiola yeah. right in the finals uh, no in the semis um and guardiola's team was that time like peak barcelona and he beat them in a very similar way playing the exact same system where he played played um i think samuel eto was up front at that time and I, i don't remember the team exactly but it was pretty much the same setup where guardiola's team just would not lose the ball and then you would have an underdog inter playing against them so it's giving me the same kind of vibes but we'll see how it goes um city do have to play one more final which is the fa cup final which would no. uh, which would come before the champions league actually and they're playing manchester united um now uh, just a quick run through and and then we'll close this episode i mean akshat is already putting his hand on his face uh because of the calamity that is going to bestow upon us uh on june 4th uh, akshat little or no hope for you uh no hope <laughs> no there's always hope there's always hope um it's a final i think we are a very well coached team i think the fact that we are getting breaks now between fixtures is showing on the pitch we je- we watched the bournemouth game uh, yesterday amar and we looked very fluid on the ball and i do think that finally getting some breaks in between fixtures is giving eric ten hag some um some more time to bring his inst- yeah bring his instructions and train the players as to what they have to do and i think the focus like you know for united we we now just um one point away and we have two fixtures left from securing top 4 and i think that will give not just the players but will give our coaching staff and eric ten hag a lot more time to focus on that one city fixture and devise a plan and that is one thing which i know i have no you know doubts about eric ten hag where he will come up with a plan where we can beat city he will i i really do trust him that much as good as city are there are still weaknesses in city and i trust that man and his coaching team to find it but that window of how good you have to be on that day is so narrow like you need to be between 98 to 100 right you need that's how good you need to be to beat the city squad yeah and that is what i don't think we can be we need to have a close to perfect game because we did beat them 2-1 earlier in the season but i mean i will admit that at that point city weren't the machine which they are right now which has got them into these finals and has unfortunately left yeah. arsenal trailing in the dust right like it's that is that we're playing that version of city which is the best version of city and to beat the best version of city you need to have an incredible game um we surprisingly our defense this is this season has been incredible incredible we have conceded six goals seven goals and four goals in three games which has kind of skewed our defensive record making us look like okay we're not a very good defensive team but in actuality we are a, a, 
probably one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League. De Gea is winning the Golden Glove. I mean, that's a great achievement for a keeper who has not had a very good season. That shows how good a defence is. So, if we show up, if the defence plays the way it has played so far, Lindelof has been in great form. Lissandro, of course, is a great miss. But, you know, he's had a great, 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 great um, run, uh, Lindelof. So, Lindelof Varane is solid. Shaw is solid. Van Bissaka is really good. So, I'm actually okay with our defence. We have the shocker in us, though. We are very, very... Especially when we're not playing at Old Trafford, we have this tendency to just disappear in games. And that is what concerns me. That is why I I put my hand on my face, like you said, Amar. Because we, if we have the perfect game, we could squeeze a 2-1. But if we don't, this could be a 5-0 as well. Like, one of the most embarrassing moments. Yeah, in... it could go... It could go either ways, yeah. They could absolutely pick us Absol- apart. Yeah, when it goes wrong for United, for some reason, it goes very, very wrong. You know, like, we... Our heads go down, we, we lose all sense of of composure in a game. And I feel like if City take the early lead, that it very well could happen to us again, especially since we're not playing at Old Trafford. So, yeah, again, it will come down to our defence. Like, leave our attack. We have problems in attack. Well documented, fine. But at the end of the day, same with Inter Milan. It's like, how many goals can you restrict Manchester City to? If you can restrict them to yep. zero or one goals, you have a chance in the game. If they score two goals, you're not going to score three. So, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking as much as you are about it. For me, it's just a cup final. Uh, we've gotten one after very long. Um, we've gotten one under a manager who uh, I'm very, very positive and confident about. As you said, like he's going to come up with some sort of plan. It's not going to be... Like, okay, let's just go yeah. and try our luck. They're going to have a system that they're going to try and implement. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I just want to enjoy it, man. I mean, it's a cup final. United are in it. It's a Manchester derby. It could not... Honestly, it could not get any better as an FA Cup final. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. In, in my perspective, I think it's one of the most exciting fixtures of the season, even more than the Champions League finals for me. Of course, because my... Not, not only because my club are involved in it, but because it is the Manchester derby that could potentially stop City winning a treble. So, there's a lot on the line. And First ever Manchester derby uh, in an FA Cup final, which is quite... Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a big deal, right? Like, think of the history of the FA yeah. Cup. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal. No doubt about it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I just feel that um, we are going to get run in the midfield. But uh, I have a strong feeling Fred is going to start that game. <laughs> uh, and and if, if Pastor Fred turns up and baptizes Haaland, <laughs> I'm all in for that. <laughs> you guys sort of have a history whenever you guys play against City that you sort of um, make them struggle to play the way they do. Like, I don't know yeah. why it always turns out into a scrappy game in which is like a plus point for you because you're not letting them play when you want to and you can like pounce on the opportunity. So, it'll be a good watch. I think it's because United... United have been very comfortable uh, 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 among all the managers to play on the counter, to play on the break. So, that's how they are set up and City are very well aware of that. And I think Guardiola has been bit a couple of times by by our counter-attack. So, he's also in that kind of thinking phase where he's like, okay, we need to stop them hitting us on the counter so they're not playing or committing as many bodies forward as they would. Um, and I think Guardiola, uh, I think, who was it who touched Guardiola's head? I think it was Ole and that I think broke Guardiola. 
like completely <laughs> broke him he's not he's not been the same ever since that happened so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he touched his bald head and like patted it. I so, just, I can just imagine Ten Hag and Guardiola just furiously patting each other's bald heads. Yeah, <laughs> before kick off, kissing it. But uh, uh, oh, that's a good point that you brought up. Where the game is uh, always scrappy and City are not at their fluid best because I feel that after whenever City play United, Guardiola just breaks a little bit more. Not about the game, but just him as a person. like the kinds of things that he says in the press conferences immediately after the game and two three games after he's played united is always a little bizarre like it's just like he's lost his marbles for some time he's pepped it up pepped it up yeah yeah he's uh, pepped it up for me if he peps this up man oh my god that would be I mean, so he, good he recently came out in a press conference saying that don't worry i'm not going to do that i'm not going to pep it up like before the semi final yeah he literally yeah. said that right like i'm yeah. not going to yeah 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 <laughs> and a person who says they're not going to overthink it is probably the person who's overthinking it i mean we're really grasping at straws here guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay quickly guys predictions off the top of your head no i'm not making any prediction for this game come on you have to you have to you have to you have to pose unbiased prediction It is sort of unbiased because I don't want to support either team, man. So two, one to City. Penalties? I can't handle penalties. No, no, no. I said two, one to City. Okay. Akshat. One, one. And then after that, <laughs> we lose on penalties. Oh, you lose on penalties. Okay. Uh, I think it's gonna be three, one to City. Fuck! He went out and said what the inside voice is saying. No, Amar. No, you, you yeah. can't do that. I'm excited but not optimistic. <laughs> okay, guys. Any closing points before I uh, officially end this episode? No, dude. No. So City are winning the treble, I guess. Uh, according according to the pundits. I hope we get relegated in the fourth year. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for getting to the end of the episode. Thank you for Po. Thank you to Po for joining us. Bang in between, we started off with two. We are now three pundits who've closed the episode. <laughs> But uh, do share, like, and subscribe. And uh, hopefully, this episode gets released because we've been having problems um, in this entire year. But uh, catch you next week, guys. Bye bye.